Well, my name's Rachel, Rachel Hickson. I'm married to Gordon, as many of you know. We live in Oxford. We, we have two children. We have six grandchildren. So we would have not passed the test either. <laughs> but we have a wonderful dog. Do dogs get... No. <laughs> and um, it's my pleasure to be with you. Um, this lot, people just quickly to catch up, people saying, how are you doing? What's life been like for you? Well, I like, think like for many of us, it's been wonderful and crazy. It's been a time of uncertainty, but a time of great opportunity. So at the end of March, um, we've lived in Oxford now for 18 years. My husband was the vicar of St. Aldate's Oxford. Then um, when he got to, I don't know, 68, 69, he resigned from that. And we've been working with five couples, planting a church on, if you know Oxford at all, Blackbird Lee side, Cassam Stadium, the poorer side of Oxford, which people don't realize there is, but there really is. And um, so over the last nine years, we've built this church I think, well, I know, actually, because we're, we're back into um, local pastoring for the last for six months. So our average has been 372 <laughs> this last month. So it's a sizable church that Craig and Anna birthed nine years ago. But we had the shock, the sadness of dear Anna going to Jesus Mark the 30th, leaving two boys, five and 11, and we've known Anna and Craig, I've known Anna since she's 12 years old, but she had an upgrade to heaven, we didn't think it felt like an upgrade at the time, but we're learning to do that journey, and in the meantime, Gordon and I have been gifted a wonderful church, can you help? So Gordon's there preaching this morning, some people said, where's Gordon, he's preaching, I'm preaching, no, Craig, who's the, um, the daddy of the church, Anna's husband, is going to preach for the first time next week. But he's just said, Rachel, can you be there? Because if I take a breath and can't do it, can you just pick it up? I said, yes, of course. Now I'm panicking. Because <laughs> it's so uh, we're just there to support and love. And in the midst of it all, we had baptisms at our house last week week was it Wednesday, nine people in church, less than a year, all giving their story of Jesus. I'll just tell you one. Her name was Selena. She came to church with a family member because she was pregnant, 12 weeks pregnant. She hadn't told any of her family or anyone, and, um, but she was happy about it. It wasn't a bad thing, but she went to the bathroom while at church, and she began to see she was miscarrying. So she came back into the church, didn't tell anyone, just sat down, and we had our prayers and praise moment, and she put her hand on her womb and just said, God, I want this baby. Um, she's Asian background, and she just said, and I want my first one to be a boy, and that mattered to her. And um, as she just prayed that prayer, and she said, as clear as clear, she heard God speak to her from Hindu background, Hindu-Asian background. She just said, heard God say, but will you love me? And she went home and um, did the journey of that pregnancy, kept that baby. And when that baby boy was born, she heard God say, now will you follow me and be baptized? And so she stood there with a little baby boy, <laughs> who she's called Asher, which means happy joy. And she stood with him in her arms and said, and I baptized 
get baptized today to honor God who is the Savior, who is the healer, who's turned my life around, broken anxiety, and given me a son. So that was one of the stories. Isn't, isn't that incredible? So I'm stretched in many directions. Um, I should have been going to Moldova, Ukraine this week, but unfortunately we've just had to cancel it. Um, Air Moldova has gone onto special measures. Chisnyau Airport in Moldova has been shut down and closed. There's all sorts of stuff going on which we don't really read in our press. And Charlotte and Johannes, who have worked there incredibly and are there with 40 other people, they just said at this time to bring people in to take care of you because we were going to be a team of five. They just said... We just don't think we can do it. So it isn't cancelled, it's postponed. But if you've seen that in our new sheet, please do pray for us. Pray for Johannes and Charlotte. We've, we've lost three vehicles recently. One being bombed up, one being hijacked, one being stolen. Oh, no, one blew up. One just had done too many miles and blew up. One, one got hijacked. There's so many militias and people with guns. And it is a fairly chaotic place in which to work. But there are about 300,000 Ukrainians being cared for in Moldova, of which we are part of that love force. And um, in fact, Heartcry for Change is pretty well serving the Ugen hospital, the local hospital. They have no, the poorest nation in the world, they have really no facilities. We've been able to partner with the Faroe Islands and WEC in the Faroe Islands and really found a way to supply things like thyroxin insulin, um, basic analgesics, and other antibiotics and drugs, and really be a resource. So your investment over the years into Heart Cry for Change is changing the world and world over Ukraine. I thought you'd love to know that. So, Father's Day, we have got a clock, and I'm looking. Um, I did send a PowerPoint through. I don't know if you got notes. Oh, you have. You are amazing. I just couldn't see it. Um, I'm going to talk today about the Father in heaven. He is the God who sees me. He is the God who sees me. And I think in a time when things happen that don't make sense, or you're going through hard times, it's very easy, and maybe even legitimate, that we sort of say, where is God right now, right here? How many of you feel that? And so I want to turn to Genesis chapter 16. 16, verse 13. And this is the story of Hagar. We, next slide. Genesis 16, 13. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. Next slide, please. Just keep them ahead of me. Is it frozen? Yeah, don't worry. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said... I have now seen the one who sees me. You are the God who sees me, for I have now seen the one who always sees me. And if you remember Hagar, it's a bit of a strange story in many ways. Abraham was married to Sarah, had the promises of God, and then they tried to make it happen rather than let it happen in the timing of God. And so Sarah had this great idea, Abraham, sleep with my servant Hagar. When that baby comes, we'll just pretend that was God's plan and make it happen. And they did it, had the baby, and things didn't go so well. And Sarah got jealous of Hagar and the baby and 
Hagar got chucked out into the wilderness all by herself with a young baby. Having done, tried to keep a job basically, because if you imagine, if she didn't comply with Sarah's request, she was out of a job. She was almost damned if she did, damned if she didn't. You know what I mean? She was in a rock and a hard place. What could she do? And she's now crying in the wilderness. And God speaks to her and says, I am the God that sees you. And I felt as I prayed for you this morning that on this Father's Day weekend, God wanted clearly to speak over every one of you, almost to your face, I am the God who sees you. And some people have really intentionally tried to do what God wants them to do. She birthed a child called Ishmael, and often we say, oh, are we going to have an Isaac or an Ishmael? You know, that's the sign of the mess up. But in it all, it wasn't an intentional stuff, God, I'm going to do my own thing. Actually, if you read the real story, it's quite a sweet story. She wasn't being foolish and mean, but it all went wrong. And maybe you feel that I've really tried to do what's right, but it's just gone wrong. But I want to say, as we look into heaven, we have a God, Jesus, who hears and listens. And even if you're living in a season that feels a bit silent, you are living in a season where your daddy in heaven, he hears you and he listens. So Psalm 18 verse 6 says this, For in my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to my God, help me. And from his temple, he heard my voice. For my cry came before him and his ears. I wonder if there's silence or maybe even more expressed cries here this morning. That maybe there's stuff in you and your daddy in heaven wants you to know, I hear you. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He turned to me, and he heard my cry. Genesis 30, verse 22, and then the Lord remembered Rachel. When I was doing this, I said, God, why did you forget her? I'm Rachel. (laughs) But that's an interesting phrase. Then the God remembered Rachel. And he listened to her cry, opened her womb, and enabled her to conceive. And as I read that, you think, well, what's that about? I just felt some of you maybe are sitting here and just feel, I feel so barren. You know, we heard about what's going on in the nation. And it's hard not to get overwhelmed with the negativity. But at the same time, it is a both and season. There is difficulty, but like I told you, there are the Selenas of this world, nine people born again, straight out of unchurched thing, finding Jesus in, in, you know, and so you sort of think, what is this? It's both and. And I believe that God listens to your cry and he enables you to birth conceive. And I really felt that as I was coming here today, some of you have felt maybe God has overlooked me. Some of you may be feeling, well, God has abandoned me. 
Someone, some of you may feel that you're living in a very silent world where you're just getting on with the best that you possibly can to make it work as best as you can and you're not sure that God is on your page. But I really felt on this Daddy's Day, God wanted me to come and say to you, almost take your little faces in my hands and say, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh-uh-uh, you're not abandoned. You're not overlooked. You have a Father in heaven who hears your cry and sees your pain. I am the God who sees you. I am the God who listens to you. Many of you are facing impossible situations. I have this phrase too. Many of you are facing depleting situations. You just feel that life is being taken from you rather than life is being given to you. And God says, I want them to hear this today. You are not alone. I have found you. Just like Hagar in the wilderness, I'm crying in the wilderness, but God sees you. You see, the wonderful thing about our God is he finds people in trouble. And this is what I want you to understand. So often we've almost put the responsibility on, we've got to find God. But do you know what? God finds you. Remember Moses in the burning bush? You see, Moses had been through a real tough time. He'd murdered someone. He'd run away to the wilderness. He'd found a girl. He actually got involved in a good family. Jethro was a good father-in-law, really sculptured him well. But he had other um, callings upon his life. And he's walking through, and he's just thinking, what in the world? And there's a burning bush. And God arrested, stopped him in his tracks and said, I see you, Moses. I see what you did. I see the longings within you. I see you and I will help you. Remember Gideon in the wine press. The whole of his nation was collapsing. It was oppressed. It was difficult. He was the least of the least of the least. He didn't have any of the right people in place to get him to where he needed to be. He was the forgotten one. And God appears to him in the wine press when he's crushing flour. You know, he's got the wrong things in the wrong place. You know, you crush grapes in the wine press. You mill um, corn on, on the threshing floor. But he, he was so fearful. And God appeared to him. God found Gideon and said, Gideon, oh, you mighty man of valor. And he said, who, what, why, where? And then we have, this, then we have the story of Ruth. Ruth had been widowed. Remember? She'd lost everything. And she had... Bless you. <laughs> and dear Ruth, gone to get you a flower. God sees you <laughs> through a friend. <laughs> but there's Ruth, you see. And she lost her husband, lost her father-in-law. And you see, when that happens in life... It isn't just like you've now lost your marriage partner. You've lost your whole, as a woman, especially in that day and age, your whole society standing, your ability to do and be who you are. She'd lost everything. 
But there was a God who saw her. She found Boaz. And he says, I, I see you. Rahab, the prostitute on the wall, when everything was going to be collapsed and catastrophe, Joshua saw her and God showed him. Peter, God saw him twice. Saw him when he was fishing. He said, come, hey, you. You're a bit of a roughen, but I'll have you on my team. Get here. Follow me. And then God saw him later when he'd really messed up. Denied God three times. And God said, you need to come for a walk with me. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, of course I do. You know I do. Yeah, okay. Peter, do you love me? Oh, get over all this mushy stuff. I don't like this. I told you once that should be enough. No, 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 no. You need to... Eyes, look at me. Tell me. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And then he walks on a bit more the third time. Peter, do you love me? What's your problem, Jesus? I said it. No, I need to hear you. Do you love me? Yes. Three denials, three confessions. Jesus wanted him to delete his words. We say stuff which we don't really mean, Jesus. Now, come on, I'm going to teach you. Do you love me? Yes. Delete first denial, second denial, three denial. It's not an accident you was asked three times. Jesus found him. David, the great king, read Psalm 34, one of his beautiful psalms. God found him when he wasn't in the house. He was sitting with sheep. Smelt like sheep, looked like sheep, certainly not a king. And Samuel anointed him. And then God found him again when he messed up. He said, you're my man. And you read it in the Acts of the Apostles and you say, here is a man who followed me, a man after my own heart. And you think, really? Bathsheba, that's a fast forward God. He had an affair got her pregnant, killed her husband. That's pretty major. But God found him. He found Saul, who is sort of your radical campaigner. He'd be your sort of climate change, etc., etc., person of the day. I'm going to make a difference in my world and stuff the rest of you. I'm going to do it. And if you're in my way, I'll kill you. And he was on the front foot and he was getting rid of everyone because he didn't like what they said and he was going to make them think what they said. And God found him and said, you think you're real clever and smart, but shut up. Get off your high horse. You're going to be blind for three days and I'm going to recenter the whole way you look at life. God found him. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what your calling is. I don't know if you've majorly messed up or you're just overwhelmed and you're hiding. But on this daddy day, I know a God who finds you, who sees you. So I want to ask you, when he sees you, because remember what that verse, the first verse I read in Genesis 16, I love that about Hagar. She says, I know a God who sees me. That's Genesis 16, 13. For now I have, I have seen him who first saw me. So how are you seeing God in this season? Are you seeing him expectant or disappointed? What is the lens of life that you're looking at him? 
Because you see, when we've been through tough times, and these have been complex, chaotic times, how many would agree with you? How many have been through health issues or are going through health issues? And it's just like, I'm tired. Sick and tired. Oh, yeah, come on, dear Mike. God wants to bless you. He sees you. And he says, don't get weary in doing good. And don't get sick and tired of being sick and tired so that that becomes your whole lens. God will speak to you even today and say, I'm the God on Daddy's Day. You nearly were number one, Daddy. <laughs> and he says, I see you. So, Father, we pray for just that knowledge and every loneliness of this season be broken off in Jesus' name. We thank you. You are the God who sees us, comforts us, helps us. Can you see the God who sees you? You see, Hagar was able to say, now I can see him who saw me. Can you see him? Or are you wearing the wrong lenses? You see, I want to look at the story very quickly of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Do you remember them? Zachariah and Elizabeth wanted to have a baby. And there was huge humiliation in that society if you did not conceive and bear it. And so they were now in their older years. It's a bit of the, mod, the New Testament story of Adam, Abraham, and Sarah. Here they are with the promise of God, but they still hadn't birthed anything. But they had lived in this barren mentality for so long that all expectation had died. Because now they could see God, but they couldn't see a God that really saw them. They could only see through a lens of disappointment and barrenness. They were no longer waiting for God or seeing God from a healthy place. They were seeing him from an overwhelmed place. They were tired. They were waiting. And they were looking for a way out of humiliation. We read the story in Luke chapter 1, and I haven't got time. It is quite a long story with a lot of detail, actually. But here was Zechariah. He was in the house of God. He was ministering to God. He hadn't walked out on God. He was still in the place of God, but his heart had got lost. And so Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right there at the incense altar. Verse 12 of Luke 1. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. And Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I've lived my whole perspective. I'm too disappointed to dream again. I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. I'm an old man now. My wife is also well in years. My get up and go has got up and gone. I'm, I'm tired. And then the angel said, but I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of Almighty God, and he sent me to you. And the angel's like, what? Don't you understand? This is God speaking, and you're not sure? But now, since you don't believe what has been said to you, you need to shut up until it happens because you're talking so negatively. But a child will be born to you. And you will see it will all come true. 
at this, the Kairos property. Dear Zacharad waited so long that even an angelic visitation couldn't shake him out of the deep weariness and disappointment. And also, unfortunately, his negative perspective in talking. He had an encounter and the angel has to go, you know what, mate? I'm going to have to shut you up because you just can't talk right. But what I absolutely love about this story was when that baby was born, if you read the end of Luke 1, he begins to talk. And if you read the prophetic song, psalm he speaks, it is profound. And suddenly God activates him and he says, God has seen me. God has answered me. I'm going to walk this pathway of peace. The nations are going to come to it. God has answered all my requests. I thought it was all done, all finished. And so Elizabeth went into a time of great expectation. She carried a baby. Zachariah went into a time of great silence. And I wonder about you. You see, we can have, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, we can have incredible revival prayer meetings, but we can either dig ourselves into a hole of disappointment or we can behold the God who sees us. What lens do you see? How are you going to pray? What is it going to be from? Is it going to be from that expectant childlike heart? I love children on Daddy's Day. Of course, it's meant to be about the daddy, but it's all about them. <laughs> you know, my grandchildren, they were so excited. It's, it's Daddy's Day. And I said, why are you excited, Margot? She's three, three and a half. Why are you excited? Because I'll get ice cream. I said, no, you won't. Daddy will. No, Daddy share. <laughs> come on my father in heaven share share all your blessings share all your bounty this on your father's day we thank you that you give good gifts to your children and father we pray that you break through all that ceiling we're a barren mindset. Because you see, unfortunately, we have lived in a nation that is almost expected every year. Oh, will the baby be born? Oh, no, not this year. Will the baby be born? Oh, no, not this year. How many of you have lived that a long time? And so we've been like that Zachariah, Elizabeth thing. You know, maybe God will do it now. Uh-oh, not yet. And after a while, it gets at you. But come on, Jesus. Wake it up in our heart, Lord. And so I felt God say, on this Daddy's Day, I was to come and irritate you with new expectation. I was to come and say, can you smell it? For there is an expectation next side and the scent of water. And God wants you to smell that. Can you smell the scent of water? And we read this scripture in Job chapter 14, verses 7 to 9. At least there is, can you read it with me? At least there is, if it is, and it's, it's, and it's, yet, yet at the, can you 
come on, speak to the old tree. Speak to yourself, say, there's hope for this tree. There's hope. You know, I felt that many of you feel like you've just been hacked down. How many of you have felt a bit hacked off or hacked down or whatever else we're allowed to say in church? And you feel, what in the world just happened? But come on, there is hope for you. There is hope for the tree. Why? Because the roots are good. You've got good root structure. You are rooted in the right place. You are built in the right place. Why? Your roots might have grown old, but there is life in those roots. Those roots are in Jesus, and he is that stump, and he never fails. And yes, we have been through a season a bit, little bit like Zachariah and Elizabeth. Oh, is it this month? Is it this month? Is it this month? Is it this year? Is it this? But there's an expectation, yet at the sense of water. I believe in this season God is awakening our spiritual senses. He's waking up our ability to see that which we can't yet see. How many of you know? To hear that which we can't yet hear. To feel, smell what we can't yet smell. So I wonder, do you have a sniffing anointing? <laughs> Are you able to discern, smell what God's up to? Many of you know I, I'm a Mish kid and I grew up in India. And we're just coming. June the 20th is a very important day for us as kids growing up in Bombay. Mumbai now. Do you know why? Because June the 20th was the day we get the monsoon. Plus or minus a day. But you always knew, getting to June the 20th, we would begin to smell. Can you smell it? And when you've lived in those hot countries, and May is excruciatingly hot, usually get up to 38, 40, 42 centigrade. Don't call this a heat wave. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to collect Helen. How many of you know Helen, who I work? She's just been in Cairo, Egypt, and she's just coming back today. And she said... 44, 48. <laughs> but it would get hotter and hotter. You felt like you were barbecued. And you were beginning to think, Lord, I can't do this. And then you begin to smell water. I mean, if you, I mean even here sometimes we get it when it's been really hot and you can suddenly smell the thunderstorm coming. Yet at the scent... Can you smell the goodness of God coming to you? Can you smell his presence upon you? Can you smell that fragrance of a God who sees you, hears you, knows you, loves you? Yes, your tree might have been hacked down in the ground. You might feel old, but you're rooted by the streams of living water. And at that scent of water, you will sprout again. I wonder if you can smell the presence of God, his fragrance. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 2, he says this. Next slide, please. My soul, can you read it with me? My soul, first for God. For the? Where can I go and meet with God? I believe God is stirring a thirst, a hunger. 
Where can I go find him? Can you smell him? Can you see him? Where is he? (laughs) I believe one of the prophetic words of this season is hunger. People are hungry. And I think that hunger is expressed in three ways. You know, there's desperation, hunger, all sorts. But I'd like to say number one. The number one hunger that we see around us is hangry. There's loads of people who just got frustrated, uptight, whether in the church or in the world. You know, you can just park into the, go into the car parking space and just slightly not being aware maybe of everyone else looking in that space, driving there. Next minute, you, I think, man, there's like... Oh, so sorry. What was that about? Well, I wanted that space. Really sorry. Have it. You think, wow, we are wound up. Living, frustrated and things. But we, we have them in church too. Well, what's the pastor doing? I don't like our church. And we all get hungry and think, why? Because we need, we're thirsty. We're hungry. You made a good point. Can the government satisfy what we need in the nation? No. Can the pastor satisfy what we need in the church? No. God can satisfy. My soul, first for God. I need a counter, a fresh encounter with a living God. Where can I go and get the right snacks to satisfy the hungry? I need to eat of him. Oh, if we carried on reading in Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see, for the Lord is good. I think it was pretty well the next verses. And we need to begin to eat. And if you feel hungry, frustrated, dissatisfied, almost like you wanted to kick out at someone when you don't even know why, can I just suggest do some sniffing, quiet and down, come eat of him. There is a hunger because we're hungry. The number two area of hunger that I see is a hunger for intimacy. I believe whether we're in church or in community, there is a real wanting or desire for authentic relationship. People have gone through a season of loneliness and isolation. Yeah, COVID wasn't great, but it wasn't only COVID. Many of us were already living in a bit disconnected, and it just exacerbated the sense we already had. Sickness, struggle, financial pressure, then isolates you more. And so there's so many people who are feeling, nobody sees me. Where's God? Did the church see me? Do my workplace see me? And so that's why we're encountering, I mean, Gordon and I have really had to help, most probably more than ever in our pastoral thing, suicide and mental health, ever, in men, between the age of 35 to 55. I think we've got three or four that we are closely monitoring and supporting, just in our location (coughs) at the moment. Huge. Why? Nobody sees me. What does it matter? I might as well just top it. No one would know. What a liar we have. What a liar. I am the God who sees you. And Hagar then says, oh, I see the one who sees me. And any sense of that drifting thought of you're alone, shove off, you're a nuisance. We need to kill it. We really need to kill it. And I believe there is a hunger for connective relationships. And you could sit in a room like this and still be thinking, nobody cares. Come in in Jesus' name, we break every lying spirit. 
He is the God on Daddy's Day who sees you. There's a hunger, hangry of anger, a hunger for interview. The, the final hunger that I see that this water satisfies is the hunger for purpose. So many people just say, what's the point of life? I want a philanthropic, you know, I want to leave a legacy. And not everyone has money to give philanthropically. You've got time, you've got wisdom, you've got training. Everyone's got some currency in their hands. Would you agree with me? But there's this sense of, I need to feel valued, worthwhile, worthful. And there's a great hunger, whether in the church or in society. We were just walking our dog, Black Labrador Bella, three years old now, but she's still outrageous. And um, so we are Bella's parents, and we met Charlie's parents. I didn't know his, his name, but he, it's usually the dad, Charlie's dad, that walks him, and he's a Springer Spaniel, exactly the same age. And Bella and Charlie have a very happy, romantic, <laughs> charging in the fields. So if ever we see them, we think, great, that's a short walk. And we usually end up standing chatting to Charlie's dad. So one day, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but this is literally what happened. One day, we're just walking across the field. Bella's there. He comes up. He says, what the f is the meaning of life? And I step back. I go, woo, that's strong first thing in the morning. I haven't woken up enough for that. And he goes, no, I'm serious. What is the meaning of life? He took the F out of it that time. Um, and I said, well, you're talking to a vicar. I said, yeah, I know. Well, tell me. So Gordon went home and found some pretty full-on in your face. This is the meaning of life. I said to Gordon, you can't send that. That's just so full-on. He said, well, he came, what the F is the meaning? So you can have what the F back. <laughs> so he sent him these three things, which were full-on. This is the meaning of life. He got in touch with us and said, that makes sense. Can you help me? We then found out Charlie's dad's name. It's David Whitfield. <laughs> Oxford Whitfield. So we took him to the Alpha course at St. Aldate's, Oxford, where a man called George Whitfield, 500 years ago, went there, got born again, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and changed the world with a revival. And as we walked in, and I said, David, we've chosen this church here because I want to tell you a story about a man, George Whitfield. His eyes literally bubbled with huge tears. And he said, do you think God could have a purpose for me? Come on, hungry. At the scent of water. What does God want to wake up? You see, hunger, my soul first for God, for the living God. It's not a nice feeling, and I know we're getting near lunch, and I won't preach too long. Are you hungry? Because, you see, God, we are living in a season of expectation. And for those of you being pregnant, getting pregnant isn't always comfortable. I remember I was pregnant in Nairobi with my son. Oh, Lord, that was hot and uncomfortable. It wasn't easy. But I was living with the expectation, what am I carrying? Isaiah 44 verse 3 says this. Come on, just read this with me. I will pour out water to dry ground.
Amen. I really, really like it when God says, I will. I will, I will, I will. Three times in one verse. I will pour out water for you. I will pour out my spirit. I will bless your legacy and your descendants. Come on, just put your hands to God and say, come on, God, do it for me. God, I hear your I will in my life. You see, the prophetic nature inside of you is made to live with expectation. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah 64, he said, oh God, rend the heavens and come down. Jeremiah says, the watchmen are waiting in Jeremiah 31. They're waiting on tiptoe. Come on, God, your day is coming. Habakkuk says, I'm standing on the walls. For he who is coming will come and will not delay. Come on, God. And I want to wake up that prophetic sense of God in you that waits in expectation. I love the scripture in Romans 10, you know. I love J.B. Phillips' translation. He said, for all of creation is straining eagerly on tiptoe, waiting in expectation for the sons of God to step into their own. There is a straining expectation. And I think even our culture, our creation is saying, come on, church. Come on, Epping Forest community. Come on. Come on, Mike. Come on, Lynn. Come on, Richard. Come on, Jody. Come on. Come on. For this is a day when you need to know your daddy sees you. But it's also a, da a day we need to see daddy. Can you see him with great expectation? For he is your father. And he sees you. Amen. I know you like to finish by 12. And I was trying to be really good because I feel it's so important we pray. How many of you know that? So come on, let's press into Jesus. Just press into Jesus this morning. I want you, before the kids come back, etc., just let's take a few moments in the presence of God. And I want you to see the God who sees you. Come on, let him look at you. Look right into where you are. Remember Hagar running, everything going wrong, and God just stops her. And she says, yeah, I can see him, and he sees me. And so, Father, we pray right now for everyone in this room that on this Daddy's Day, you literally speak over us as a group of people say, I am your daddy, God, and I see you. So can we just make this place a place of prayer? Just begin to talk to daddy. Come on, all of us, talk out loud. Just, tell, just talk to him. Say, God, I thank you. You do see me in this place. God, I thank you. Just be really honest with him. God, I felt alone. God, I felt isolated. God, I feel a bit Worry. Just tell him, break the sound barrier, pray out loud. It's really important to bring words. Just no one's listening to you. I'm going to keep talking on the microphone, so I'll cover your sound. But just be really honest with God. Have a moment where you say, God, I began to think you couldn't see me anymore. But God, today I want to agree with you. God, I thank you that you see me. You have me. You hold me. You care for me. You heal me. 
You restore me. You awaken me. Come on, thank him for the roots in the ground. Thank him. Father, I thank you for every root in the ground. I thank you for every root promise that I have. I thank you for what you've given in my family. I thank you for what you've given in my workplace. I thank you what you've given in this space of church and community. God, right now, in Jesus' name, we bless the roots. And Father, even where we feel it's been cut down and it's been injured, destroyed, right now we say, let us smell the scent of water. Let us smell the scent of water. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, in Luke 11, it, sa it says, you know, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give gifts to those who ask them? So ask him. Ask him right now. God, I ask you for an awakening of expectation. God, I ask you, help me see you. I ask you, God, wake up my perspective. God, I'm asking you where I have just felt overwhelmed. I want to be like Hagar that can say, yes, you are the God who sees me, but I see you. <laughs> I can see you right now, right here in this circumstance in Jesus' name. Amen. And I wonder if you can do something. Just get into groups of three, four if necessary, but three to four and pray for each other. Just pray for that scent of water. Just pray. Make each other get wet before you get home. It's good on a hot day. Just wake up those senses. Get into groups of three and four and just pray with each other. I'm making you go three or four because then you can't just be a married couple. You have to stretch out a little bit. Three and four. Just take a moment. Share with each other. Pray for each other before we go out. If you don't know each other's names, ask. That's allowed. You're allowed to ask. Make sure you, everyone's included. Thank you.